0: get your sugar sugar postpartum deodorant now at postpartumdeodorant.com and start smelling more like yourself again. Pregnancy and postpartum are some of the most nutritionally demanding times of your life, which makes sense because you're basically acting as your baby's pantry while pregnant or nursing. That's why the quality of your prenatal supplements is so vitally important. Hello, Mighty One. I wanted to remind you that we are taking a break from our usual series until September. And so from now until then, we're just going to be sharing with you some of our favorite birth stories that you probably haven't heard yet. Now, July 30th was VBAC Awareness Day, and as a nod to that, we are dusting off a glorious vaginal birth after cesarean story, which is what VBAC stands for, courtesy of Callie McConnell. Callie is mom to two fun kiddos, so she didn't have any more kids since we talked, and the reason as to why I'm saying that will become clear at the end of the episode. Now, since her younger daughter's birth, Callie's become a certified postpartum doula, and she also has a video recap service where she creates digital movie keepsakes of your child's first year, and that service is called Creative Care Services, and we've linked it in the show notes if you're interested. We originally published this story when Birthful was but a wee little podcast in 2017. So it was like uh, almost two years old. And honestly, we're sort of going back to our roots. Because at that point, we only shared birth stories during the summer. And so we didn't use to alternate between topical interviews and stories. We just only shared stories during the summer. So when you hear me referencing our birth stories for the summer series in the intro, that's what I'm talking about. Another couple of fun facts about this episode are that it has the old intro music, and also that I was really, really, really excited because at that time, we had just reached half a million downloads. Fast forward to today, and we've added 5 million more to that half a million, so we are over 5.5 million downloads and well on our way to get to 6 million. How amazing is that? My gratitude for every single one of you is still immense, as I deeply, truly appreciate that you are here listening and continually telling others about the show. So thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. And yeah, enjoy this glorious V-back story. Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and it's time once again for our Birth Stories for the Summer series. Today, Callie McConnell is here to tell us about her VBAC story and the intentional preparation that made all the difference. Stay tuned. The Birthful Podcast talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, Mighty Mamas and Mamas-to-be and Mighty Dads and Dads-to-be. As always, I want to thank you so much for listening and for all the love you give the show. Mighty Ones, we just went over half a million downloads for the podcast. What? Yeah. And it's all thanks to each and every one of you for listening and telling others about the show. Now, how about we dream even bigger and get it up to a million? Keep listening, keep sharing, and consider subscribing and leaving a review because that's how we get it in front of even more parents. Truly, from the bottom of my heart, a big, fat, heartfelt thank you to each one of you. All right, let's get to that birth story, shall we? After last week's episode with Jen Camel on VBAC facts, I couldn't think of a better way to start our series than with a successful VBAC story. Callie McConnell is here to tell us about it. Callie, welcome to the show. I am so happy to have you here and can't wait to hear all about your VBAC. Thank you for having me on. I'm so excited. I feel like I'm talking to a celebrity. Uh, I've listened to your
1: podcast my entire pregnancy.
0: And so I hope they were helpful. Yes. Oh, my
1: gosh. Yes. You very much led me on my way to a great, great birth.
0: I love it. I love it. And I can't wait to hear all about it. So um, why don't you start telling us a little bit about yourself? I know we're talking VBAC, which there's two stories that make the. you need two stories for a VBAC. So exactly. Exactly. I had to to be driven
1: down the path to my my vaginal birth. So my husband and I um, got married. Was it four years ago? We found out the Tuesday after our wedding that we were pregnant with our first. So we were going to take a year in travel, but we, we were right into it. Um, so we were pregnant with our first, and I can say that it wasn't exactly the most thrilling news, especially since we were about to go on our honeymoon. Um, so I dealt with that. I was okay with not drinking margaritas. I finally kind of got through that. I read all about pregnancy and kind of how to take care of myself, um, the kind of... I don't know, I just kind of was in denial. I went to work every day, wasn't really, I was eating for two, maybe shouldn't have been eating for two, probably uh, more like eating for 1.05. <laughs> so <laughs> my health definitely wasn't as good as it could have been. And uh, I just, I honestly was in a little bit of denial. So when it came time to uh, talk about my birth at 41 weeks, it's interesting, my doctor we never talked birth plan, we never talked anything like that. They'd always ask five questions, but I was just kind of like, no, I think everything's fine. And then sure enough, get to 41 weeks and they're like, well, let's do a membrane sweep. Okay, I don't know what that is. Let's do that. Uh they, and then they're gonna give me the weekend. And if I didn't, um if I didn't have my water break or I didn't go into labor, they were going to induce me the following week. So my water did break, go in to the hospital, rush in. They told us to go immediately. We needed to get right there. Uh, Immediately start me on Pitocin. The nurse tells me that I should really get the epidural right away because um, there's a big rush of women who came in and if I don't get it right away, that uh, I might have to wait too long and I'm going to be in a ton of pain. So I kind of was like, well, I was going to maybe try and wait, but I don't really, I don't really want to be in a lot of pain if you're saying it's going to get that bad. So sure, I'll do an epidural. I don't really know any different. So got the epidural. They checked me right after that. I was at four centimeters. Um, Fast forward, eight hours. The baby was uh, asynclitic. So she just wasn't really in the right position. The doctor was like, well, I think we might have to talk C-section, but let's try and push. She let me push for an hour. Nothing really happened. She's like, I think C-section is our only option here. So we went ahead and we did the C-section. My daughter was born 5 a.m. the following day. And um, she was taken away from me immediately. I had had a high fever during um, labor. So they needed to give her antibiotics. And then they needed to take me away because I had gained so much weight and not really taking care of myself um, to do an x-ray. Because when they open you up and then they sew you back up, they need to make sure that nothing was left inside of you. So um, I was waiting for an x-ray. She was off getting her antibiotics. I didn't see her, hold her for three hours after she was born. And uh, my husband held her for maybe two minutes. They kind of showed her to me. And um, then we were reunited three hours later. Luckily, breastfeeding started off great. And we kind of got that going. But there was just, there was a real kind of lack of bonding, I just, it felt very disconnected that this baby that they're handing me throughout three hours later was the baby that I grew for nine months. So, yeah, so it was crazy. And I didn't really think about how, like, big that was while it was happening. But now looking back, it was like, it took us a while. We also had moved during my pregnancy. Um, So I was in a new area, didn't have a ton of support. Where we were, I'd moved from the city, I'd quit my job. So I just kind of had lost my little comfort zone. And then it was just me and this baby who I didn't feel totally connected with to begin with. So now she's three and she's my my BFF and we're good. But it took us a while. It took us a while. Yeah. So, I,
0: yeah. I, mean, I mean, it does sound like there was a lot that went on with that. And a lot of... For somebody who started out kind of being s- surprised by the pregnancy and sort of in denial that it was happening. Right. You were... Had a bit of a, you know, lots of things happened during, during the delivery itself that seemed like, I don't know, did you, did you feel once you reunited with her that what just happened? (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, it was very surreal. I remember going, we had to stay at the hospital for a few days. I like was like, they were like, we'll take her if you want. We'll um, like take her while you sleep. I'm like, yes, take her. I like, I want to sleep. And then when we got home, I had a couple friends come over that night and I was just like sitting in my kitchen, like holding this kid, like, this is so weird. This, What life is this? Like, I just, it was very strange. It took us a while to get there, you know, it's, and you think it's just going to be this natural, beautiful, like we're staring into each other's eyes and it just wasn't that for me. So I was like, that was kind of a disappointment as well. I thought something would maybe just click and it didn't. Mm. And, and I, that's fine but yeah. you know it was different than expected.
0: It's a lot more hard work than you think and there's a lot it's a big transformation and I don't think we we kind of dwell so much into what the transformative nature of pregnancy and birth really is to our ind- to our ind- in our personalities to our you know core Definitions right. of who we are, and then, and aside from what it does like, to our day to day lives, and the, I think we just, yeah. It's
1: so huge. I mean, it's the biggest change that I've ever gone through from not mother to mother. I mean, I can't imagine anything being more vastly different.
0: Mm. So, fast forward to yes. your second pregnancy, was that also a surprise? No,
1: we had been trying for eight months and. I'd mentioned to you at this point, I had become, um, a holistic nutritionist. So I kind of had gone from not educating myself to like, I'm going to read everything that there is to know. So I'm reading about like the best thing to eat for fertility, what not to eat. And it took us eight months to get pregnant. And it's totally because I was stressed about it. Like I just was like, I want this baby. I'm going to have my natural birth. Like I'm going to have my VBAC. And I think all that pressure that I put on to just getting pregnant. Uh Slowed things down a little bit. Um, but we, we did get pregnant and I was like, all right, it's on. And I bought every single book that there is to read. I read Ina May Gaskin. I read birthing from within. I drew birth art about my first pregnancy and then what I wanted my second pregnancy to be. I listened to every episode of the birthful podcast. I had my walks, my daily walks with my dog. Um, I just, I fully immersed myself in everything that is the birth world. I watched the business of being born. Um, I went to a hypnotist who we helped visualize uh, what my second birth would be like. Um, Just all of kind of everything that I could do. And I was very lucky, I should say, that my husband took a six-month sabbatical from um, work. So he was home for most of it. So I had a lot of time to do this. Most moms probably would not have had the time to you know, read all these books and go on all these long, peaceful podcast walks that I was able to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, because so really you had a, a little of, one at home.
1: Yeah, yeah. So she was uh, two when all this was going on, which is such a fun age. And it was, you know, we kind of got to co-parent, co-stay-at-home parent. I don't know many people that get the opportunity to do that. And then all the same, I was able to focus on my pregnancy and staying healthy and active and I went to a chiropractor so all that good stuff.
0: That sounds super fun. Yeah, it was. It
1: was. So my husband said deep down he's like, "Oh my gosh, if she doesn't have this V-back, this is going to she's going to implode <laughs> because she has spent so much time
0: prepping for it." Um, so, did you do anything specifically V-back related in your preparation? Um there was, I
1: wish I remembered the name. There was a book I read about VBAC. It was like how to have a vaginal birth after a C-section or two. It was like some German book that was translated to English. Um, and it was more just educational, just kind of really kind of warning you what the system, the hospital system, the healthcare industry is going to want to do when you have like you're having a VBAC because they're going to be nervous about it. And so like to know your stuff and to talk to your doctor um, and I was very lucky in between pregnancies, I had switched to, um, a different practice. So I was now with a midwife practice who was like one of two in my area that is very supportive of the VBAC. So I was lucky that I kind of already had that support. Um, and they were very great and kind of talking me through everything. And my doctor, um, who would be the doctor who would perform a C-section if it was necessary was like like i don't even think we're gonna have to worry about it i think you're gonna be fine so just everyone just kind of around me had a good positive attitude about it i also had a doula um, who was amazing and she had 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 a v-back so she was kind of there for me to like bounce any concerns off of which was great
0: mm-hmm. mm. so yeah so very different ways of 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 going into the the second birth from the first one right right yeah so okay how did you know that you were in labor? Let's go to the birth story. <laughs> yeah. How did it start? Yeah.
1: So um, it's funny because actually I went into labor on a Monday morning, the Thursday and Friday before I had the stomach flu, which I thought was labor. So I made my husband call out of work both days thinking that like this was the beginning of labor. And my do- unfortunately, my daughter threw up as well. So it's like, oh, Okay we're sick this is not labor um so on monday morning at 4:30 i felt this big like pop almost like a punch in my gut and i was like that was weird i was like oh i wish my i hope my water didn't break cuz that would be maybe not the best way to start this whole thing and i'm like it didn't that was probably just a really big kick like i'm just going to go back to bed and then i was like oh am i peeing my pants or did my water break <laughs> So I get up and I'm so nervous because I don't want to wake up my husband who leaves for work at five and tell him early, like who gets up for work at five and tell him that he's got to stay home again. Like he's going to kill me if this is a false alarm. So I was like, okay. And he just started a new job, I should say. So he was already a little bit stressed. he had to call out two days in a row and then for nothing or not for nothing, but wasn't a baby. Um, and so I called my doctor and she's like, or the midwife, and she was like, well, it could be your water breaking or it could, I don't even know what she she said it could have been. She's like, but let's just wait and see um, if you start contractions, you know, give us a call, let us know. Um, and if they are, I would say as long as they're um, five minutes apart, I think they said the five one one rule, five minutes apart um, for a minute, lasting a minute for, um, an hour. And then like, then we'll like be concerned about it, which I thought was interesting. I thought they might want me there sooner, especially since it was a VBAC, but like, okay, well, you know, I called my doula. She told me to take a bath. So I took a bath and pretty much stayed in the bath for four hours. And, um, my, I called my husband on the phone from the bath and was like, by the way, I think contractions just started. So, oh, sorry. You've got to call out of work again, but he was great. He, I don't know why I thought he was going to be mad about his baby coming. Um, but, uh, he called my mom then, for so my mom could come over and be ready with, um, to babysit once we were ready to go. And everything I'd kind of read about the VBAC, if you're going to go to a hospital, which we were having a hospital birth was stay at home as long as possible. So I think I maybe pushed it a little bit too far in that one. I want to say my contractions were probably more like four, three and a half, four minutes long um, before we started going. Before we got it, kind of got our butts in here to get to the hospital. Um, So my mom was downstairs. I'm, you know, loading up the baby monitor for like making my daughter lunch. And my mom's like, I think that you're like you're having to stop doing all these things, have contractions. I think you should be worried about your other child. Like I can make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Why don't you guys
0: get in the car? Um, Wise words of the mama.
1: (laughs) I know. I'm looking back, like her and my husband, like I could see them like looking at me kind of like, she's insane. Like, what is she doing? But like knowing how I am and how kind of this was my little event, how much I had planned for it. They were kind of just letting me be the crazy person and gently reminding me that maybe I should get out the door. Um, So yeah, so my husband and I finally got in the car, and um what time is the, this that
0: you like? Going this is to-
1: at this is at eight thirty, and my water at broken night? at or no eight thirty in the morning. Eight thirty in
0: the morning. So you're right. All right. So because your water broke at or four thirty. Four thirty when you heard the pop. Um, right. When that happened, and I wanna interject because in a way, like w- the first time around, it kind of also started with your water breaking. Right um, after right. the switch. And they were very
1: they were yeah, and they were very nervous. They're like, get in here, we don't want your like water to like, you know, drain out or whatever you wanna say. Like they wanted me in ASAP. And this doctor or this midwife is very different. She's right. like, let's wait, let, let it progress, see what happens, give it some time. Because that's my first. Um, they mm-hmm. put me on Pitocin immediately, like immediately. And I, I didn't even know what Pitocin was. So we had not discussed that. Mm. And it was just like the nurse is like, this is what your doctor wanted me to do. I'm like, oh, great. I thought that's just what everybody did. Um,
0: well, and so, also, how, how far along were you when you're, for your second birth?
1: Oh, yeah, I should mention that. I was not even... I was going to be 39 weeks the next day. So it was early. And everyone kind of told me, if you go late, you'll probably go late again. So I was in no way prepared for that. I was supposed to babysit my cousin's daughter while she was at a work conference that day. I had to text her at like 5 a.m. being like, so my water broke. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I was not... Yeah, definitely not thinking it was going to happen so early.
0: And so maybe Um, the, 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 the... the also the change the difference in attitude might have been cuz it seemed from what you're saying on the first birth like you were 41 weeks but they were really trying to urge it along to get things totally. moving and i don't know if there was stress about the 41 week mark or what you know um yeah. It might because yes. because your water's not gonna run out, you make more. So it seems more like they just wanted to get you in there and get things going. Yeah. yeah. It
1: it was I and I don't I don't wanna wish or think that people would make decisions for this reason, but I have heard that it's a thing it was a holiday weekend. Um, it was Memorial Day weekend and it was beautiful out. And I was like I like my husband and I both said after even before kind of I knew everything. It's like it felt like they just wanted to rush us through this process. Like mm-hmm. they just wanted to get this baby out and they were not like kind of, we were disregarded as like, this was our kind of journey into parenthood. Yeah, Um,
0: Which is the, even the sense that I'm getting from what you're telling me.
1: Right. I remember telling Mm -hmm. the story to my doula when Mm -hmm. I interviewed her and like, I'm now at the point um, that I don't cry, but it's like, I cried every time I talked about it because Mm -hmm. it was just like, I just felt like it was not like this personal experience. It was like, we were just like cogs in the wheel of this, hospital so yeah. it sucks that's it shouldn't it be does. that sucks that sucks i know it did suck and but the next time around it was so refreshing because yeah the doctors i worked with the doula just every it's like the good people are out there like the, the ones who are really supportive of the process and the people and you know concerned about everybody involved like they are out there you just you have to find them
0: which goes back to that you know the importance of finding the proper team to support your right. wishes and Absolutely. the difference yeah I'm so glad you found a team of people who were v-back supportive not just v-back tolerant even
1: totally totally yeah. um they I designed that paperwork for the v-back and i um, just saying like I recognize like it's just kind of like a a legal thing like I recognize that I am putting my child at risk because of the chance of uterine rupture and the doctor is like rolled his eyes he's like sorry you gotta sign it they make us. Like the doc, the practice that they are like under, like makes them do this whole legal thing. He's like, it's, it's BS. Don't worry about it.
0: Mm. Yeah. How comforting though. Like, right. Instead of stressing you out yeah. about it. because Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Sorry for the interruption. It's 830 no, in the morning. No, no. You are going into the hospital.
1: Yeah. I also just remembered something that yeah. I think just, I don't know, it helped me. With the view back, is that when my water broke, I kind of looked at myself in the mirror and was like, "Okay, like this wasn't how we thought it was going to go. Like so far, but like whatever happens, happens. You prepped and you've done everything that you can do, and now you just have to like trust in like the universe and that you and your little baby can do this together. Because there's, I mean, that point, like we're headed to the hospital. Like here we go. You know, we're gonna do everything we can. We've got the team in place, but." If I did end up with a C-section, I like was like, I told myself not to beat myself up because I didn't want it to be a disappointment. I didn't want it to feel like a failure, you know, if it didn't work out. And I think that kind of mindset, just like setting myself there was a good place for me to kind of start
0: hospital process. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you know, actually what, before we get to the hospital process and you get and tell us the rest of the story, I'm going to, we're going to take a break (laughs) Okay, and we will be right back. And download the app to start creating your shared photo legacy. Diaper rash. It can be a truly uncomfortable experience for a baby. And so I find that one of the biggest conundrums when diapering is figuring out what diaper cream to use. So many options are thick and goopy, making them hard to apply and hard to wipe off. But I can personally say that this is not the case for Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician-approved skin protectant that is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide designed as a breathable formula to help maintain an optimal skin barrier while allowing the healing to occur. This butt balm was developed by a mom who is also a doctor, hence the name Dr. Mom Butt Balm, When she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash and she wasn't about to settle. So she created Dr. Mom Butt Balm to go on smooth and be easy to remove while also being gentle on your baby's delicate skin. With Dr. Mom Butt Balm, you can say goodbye to excessive wiping to clean your little one's already chafed skin. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is so soft and goes on so smooth that you'll only need a small amount instead of having to layer on a thick goop. Plus, it has a lovely minty scent. Learn more about Dr. Mom Butt Balm at drmombuttbalm.com. That's drmombuttbalm.com or look for it at amazon.com. And we're back talking to Callie about her VBAC experience. And so we're kind of in the midst of of her experience where you're going from home and everybody's kind of going like, oh, it might be time to go. Um, and contractions are every three to four minutes and you are on your way to the hospital. So then what happens?
1: So the hospital is about 30 minutes from us. I did have a little bit of a drive to go to this practice compared to other doctors that were in the area. But Um, the doctor that I chose was a little further away. Um, so my husband was a little bit, I think that's part of the reason he was panicked was because he's like, all right, 30 minutes is a long time. And it seems like this things are really moving along here. Um, so he was so panicked that he got lost. We had made the drive before, but he like made like a few wrong turns and he just sometimes was listening to the GPS and sometimes wasn't because he thought he knew where he was. Um, I was fully reclined. Um, in the passenger seat, like being like, it's okay. Calm down. Like me being the one calming him as I'm like (laughs) breathing through these distractions. And it's so funny. He was, the car was the only time that he was nervous throughout the whole thing. I think it was just like the part that he was in charge of. And he kind of, he freaked out a little bit, which was funny. Um, but we got there, we got in the parking garage. I had to take a couple breaks, lean on a couple strangers cars, uh, during contraction. Um, and it was funny when we finally got in the elevator to go up to labor and delivery. Um, someone was there bringing balloons to one of their family members who just had a baby and they're like, you seem really calm. And I was that like, blew me away. Cause I was like, I do not feel like I'm calm at all, but thank you. Like, thank you. I'll take that one. Um, so we get in there and we're filling out the paperwork. Um, and I kind of have to take a break to, uh, for contractions as well. My doula walked in. She had already been there, but she was looking around for us thinking we had maybe gotten lost because she was expecting us sooner because of how fast things were moving along. Um, but she was amazing. She stepped right in as I was filling out my paperwork. She started rubbing my back um, to kind of help ease the pressure. And it was funny when she, she walked away for a minute and my husband was like, should I tell her to not do that? Because when he had started rubbing my back at home, I was like, back off. Like, I'm okay. Like, no, no, no. The doula, she's got magic hands. She can rub my back, just not you, husband. I know, I know, know. but I just something about the way she did it felt good. Um, So we got into the delivery room, and um, it's funny. I had created all that birth art. I had packed my essential oils. I had packed honey sticks and labor aid, and all this crazy stuff to like help me get through this labor and. They were at, you know, the doula asked if she wanted me to run the essential oils. I was like, no. My husband's like, should I put on one of your birthing playlists? No, I just know nothing. And they said, looking back, that I had my eyes closed the entire time I was in the room. Like, I never opened my eyes except for to fill out anymore. Like, there was a couple more pieces of paperwork I had to fill out. So, the nurse comes in. She finishes checking me in. And she checks me. She's like, Okay you're about six centimeters. Where's your midwife? And I was like, she's on the way. We called her on the way to the hospital or when we were right before we left and she's going to meet us here. She's like, all right, she better get here quick. Like, okay, six centimeters. That's pretty good. Um, we've got some time. So this hospital, um, they did require continuous fetal monitoring because I was a VBAC. Um, but they had like some kind of new technology, that was supposedly really non-invasive, that was waterproof um, and wireless. So you could be in the tub and the shower and it wasn't, it's pretty reliable. So it wouldn't be non-invasive or wouldn't be very invasive. The doctors had kind of assured me that it wouldn't screw with me. Um, cause everything, some of the things I had read is like the continuous fetal monitoring can kind of cause people to be on edge and make, add more stress to a situation that doesn't need to be stressful. But, um, it was necessary at this hospital. So I agreed. Um, so they got just like the standard fetal monitor around me and my doula asked the nurse to order in one of the wireless ones so they could hook me up so I could either get in the shower or get in the bath. And, the uh, um, in the meantime, the midwife gets there and she's like, all right, um, let's check you out. Let's see where you are. So she checks me. She's like, okay. And the doula like, well, we've got the, uh,
0: the monitor on the way
1: we were gonna I think and we're gonna get her in the shower and my midwife was like "Mm, I don't know about that um and she's like what about maybe we can get the birthing ball she was like well or the midwife was like yeah maybe um sure and I was like well how dilated am I she was like you're pretty much complete I was like what I like had no idea and I was like I felt like I was six centimeters 30 minutes before the nurse comes back that comes back and she's like oh yeah, you were eight and a half, nine centimeters. I just didn't want you to panic that your midwife wasn't here yet. What? Um, but, yeah. <laughs> Come on, nurse. <laughs> I, I was like, well, that would have been good information to know. Um, but all right. I mean, I'm going to take almost 10 centimeters. Um, so I, they did bring in a ball really quick. I kind of leaned over the hospital bed on the ball. Um, contractions were, they were kind of, they weren't terrible. It's interesting. Like, I don't know. I was expecting it to be way worse. And I think everyone has told me because I'd only had Pitocin contractions previously, that they just like hit you so hard out of nowhere mm-hmm. that it just, they were, though so they seemed, un, they seemed way more intense and unbearable. And I think maybe because I just was kind of eased into contractions the second time around. Um, I never really got to a point where it was like, I can't, do this anymore? So I, people have since told me they are so impressed that I never have the epidural. I'm like, I feel like any for everybody can do it. I mean, granted, I had a pretty, I got there pretty quick. So no, I'm but sure still, I mean, for-
0: it's it's the the same things need to happen. It needs to be whether it's condensed or not. You still get the intensity required. <laughs> right. Right,
1: yeah. right. Now, I have a question
0: I, since you mentioned the sure. difference between the. Uh, Pitocin contractions and regular contractions. They were different in intensity. Did there, is, Were they different in any other way, like the quality of it?
1: Yeah, I, um, well, I was also, I got the epidural fairly early. I was only at four centimeters when I got the epidural.
0: Right, but you so, were feeling those, those contractions way more intense than your right, transition yeah. contractions without it.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, I think I was scared. I think the nurse scared me as soon as we got in mm-hmm. telling me that I should get the epidural. Um, it's just, it felt, I think I was tense too. I think I was more tense about them. Like I just, because they came out of nowhere, it wasn't this natural progression. Um, I mean, it was just a totally different experience. I feel like also just reading about contractions and what they're actually doing. The birth art I created, I actually had a this little like circle where it starts with one centimeter and then there's a two centimeter circle around it and a three centimeter. So just kind of like seeing, mm. like visualizing your, um, you know, cervix opening up and all that. Um, so just kind of knowing the, how necessary they were was super helpful instead of just feeling like I have this overwhelming pain and not really understanding what it's actually doing. Right. And that was just being educated on what was going on, I think was a huge difference maker yeah. as well. Sure. And I felt way, I should also mention, I felt way more connected to my baby this time. Like we talked, like she and I would have like pep talk. Like, all right, girl, we can do this. You and me, teammates. And then the whole, kind of the whole time through, um, I felt like she and I were, were doing it together. Like my water broke. I'm like, all right, you're ready to come. Like we're we're going to do this together, mm-hmm. little one. Yeah. Cool. I think that make, it made a big difference too, feeling like. She was a part of the the team we created.
0: Well, and that's it. It's such a perception, such a subjective uh, perception of what the contractions and different for everybody and every situation. But I I think it's important for for everyone to remember that they're not, that perception has a lot to do in how you feel them and how intense they are.
1: Totally. And pain with a purpose, I feel like I'm okay with just pain for no reason sucks but pain is a purpose like it's moving us along here let's do it love it yeah um so let's see so 10 centimeters I um were yeah I'm leaning over the birth ball on the hospital bed and all of a sudden I have two contractions that are just they, they were just very different like all of a sudden they were super, super intense and just more full body, I guess, than previous ones. Um, and at the end or the start of the third one, I like just yelled out, not even like really under, like knowing I was about to speak, I want to push, like I want to push now. So <laughs> my doula very, very calmly like rings the her. She's like, she's feeling pushy. I think we need to call back back in now. Um, she had such an amazing calming presence um that my husband said that if he'd been in the room with me when that happened he would have been like running screaming into the halls like get somebody in here now she just calmly rings the button um and so my midwife comes in um she said why don't we start on your back which I had never envisioned I'd be laying in a hospital bed I kind of just everything that I had looked at and researched and read was, you know, on your back isn't really the most natural place to have a baby. But when she said it, like I just, I it felt right. So, started on my back. The, um, the midwife and the doula actually, it's funny because they, I didn't know this until after, are really good friends. Like they go and grab drinks together. So they were like a really good team. They did not kind of clue me into that prior. Um, when I told my midwife I had hired Nikki or the doula, she was like, oh, great. She is. Yeah. She's great to work with. Little did I know they're like best friends. Um, so they were a great team and kind of telling me when to push, um, how to push. So they would have me hold my breath while I was pushing. And then at the end of the contraction, blow it out. Like I was blowing out a candle. I'll always remember them saying that, um, and Beth, the midwife had, um, she had a rag that had mineral oil and something else on it to kind of help me prevent tearing um, the whole time I was pushing, and it took about forty-five minutes of pushing. And it again, it was it hurt, but I think I forget who it was he interviewed. Um, There's like one minute you can do anything for one minute, so just pushing, and I had my eyes closed actually. Was pictured myself. I ran a half marathon like two years ago. So I pictured myself running half marathon, which is something I never thought I'd be able to do. And I pictured my grandma who had 11 children naturally. And I like every time I pushed, I closed, like I squeezed, squeezed my eyes really tight I pictured myself running the marathon, half marathon and picturing, pictured my grandma. Like, okay, like I can do it. And like I come from strong women who can do it. So, yeah. uh, we got her out and. 45 minutes we actually didn't know if she was a boy or a girl um but I, it's so funny when she finally popped right out I didn't even care I was just like they put her on me immediately skin to skin um and I was just crying I told my husband I like looked at him and I'm like I knew I could do it <laughs> and he was like I knew you could do it too sorry I'm getting emotional um it's
0: beautiful though yeah, yeah. It, it really Come yeah in. it really was
1: yeah and so I'll all that work and all that prep and she was there and she was amazing I, and I didn't care if she was a boy or a girl. My husband thought she was a boy because of the umbilical cord because he just had mm-hmm. never really seen it, you know, seen the birth before the first time. They're like, is it a boy or a girl? Is it a boy or a girl? And he's like, how do these people not know that that is clearly a boy umbilical cord? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but she was there and she was perfect she was perfect. It was awesome.
0: Yay. And so she was directly on your chest. And did you guys have any any separation at all this time? No, none.
1: Um, The nurse who was so great. And when I actually, when I was working with the hypnotist, which is so funny that I did that, um, she was like, we're going, because I told her about my anxiety about the hospital. She's like, we're going to envision these beautiful hospital workers who are going to help you along your journey and be super supportive of your choices and everything you want to do and it's like this woman was like exactly that she didn't make me sign the consent for the c-section because she knew i wasn't going to need it she um she let me hold her for as long as i can uh the doula helped me get breastfeeding going she's like we don't need to take her measurements for a while so i want to say she was on me for maybe an hour um until they finally um took her and did her measurements and all that good stuff so
0: -hmm. it was awesome it was like the best
1: hour of my life
0: No, that's I'm so happy that you had the the experience that you wanted to have and yeah and how much effort you put into it compared to the first time around for whatever circumstances right and that but that you could actually see and feel and have that sense of accomplishment of totally that you could do it. Like you saying, I could, I knew I could do it. Like that's a whole different place to, from which to start your, your mothering journey.
1: Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. even though mothering too, is obviously harder than one. I just, I have gone into this with such a, I've told my husband this. I have such a different, like sense of confidence. Like if I was able to do that, like I set my mind to it and I did it like, okay, I can set my mind to getting these two little girls into the car, into the grocery store on my own. (laughs) I I feel like it just kind of, again, like set me on a better path into mothering too. So it's just, it was completely different, completely different where the first one I was questioning, like, okay, I wasn't able to do that part, right? I wasn't able to have the vaginal birth. I wasn't able, you know, to kind of do this on my own. And second time around, so different I also want to mention that I did a postpartum doula and it was amazing that everyone Mm. should do that as well yes Um, she was great if I think I had had that the first time around things would have been very different even if I still had had a c-section just having kind of a supportive woman there who'd been there and kind of can just be a sounding board um a huge difference
0: absolutely and so tell me a little bit more about that postpartum doula experience because that's something that is not, I don't think it's talked about enough, and not a lot of women get postpartum doulas. So yeah. since you did get one, so how how was what was she helpful with? What, should, what yeah, did what
1: did so, do? Yeah, it's um, I learned about it again from the Birthful podcast, and um, it just makes so much sense to me. Like it is such you know other cultures. I, my sister in law, who is um, Chinese, when she had her son, she had a year paid maternity leave. Her mother came and lived with her. Um, they have, you know, someone someone came to clean her house every single day. It's just over here. It's just, all right, leave in the hospital. Good luck. Hopefully, you know, someone will be there to cook you a meal or two. Um, so my doula got me in touch with the postpartum doula because I just asked her if she knew of anybody and I called her. She lived, you know, five minutes from me and my husband had had two weeks off of paternity leave. So I'd asked her, you know, if she just would maybe mind coming three days a week, like the first week that he was gone. And then we'd kind of just see how it went. And it was just so nice. It was just so relaxing. She came over for just three hours, but she loaded and unloaded my dishwasher. She read stories to my three-year-old while I was breastfeeding. She um, folded my laundry. She, when I put my three-year-old Down for her nap, she held the baby so that I could kind of have some, you know, special time with her and we could read stories. And then while the three year old napped, I was able to nap for just, you know, as long as she could hold the baby off until she needed to eat again. It was just, it was so, it was so nice. And we only did it six times, I would say. So she came for three times for one week and then two times the next week and then just one time the following week. But it really just kind of eased me into, um, Back into real life and it was it was amazing it really was and she was great too
0: Mm, yeah I really like how you spaced it out so that it was a slow gradual um, right well because it is you know it's money that is spent and it's
1: you know not an affordable choice for everyone Um, so having her come every day for the full day wasn't really possible Um, but just having her kind of come and yeah gradually taper off And she's when she left last time, she's like, "I'm setting you free. You can do it." Like, thanks. I think I can. But every once in a while, when I'm having a stressful day, I'm like, maybe I'm going to call call Meg see if she wants to pop back over for a little bit. But we've been fine.
0: Yeah. No. And I, I, you know, and that's a great point that you make that you don't need to have a postpartum doula all day, every day there for you. That it is just having even like coming once a week for three hours that that already makes a big difference.
1: Totally. And my i my two-month-old, um, I think because we created such a strong connection, she does not like to be put down. So it, I I love it most of the time, but it, it was nice in that beginning part, like just kind of having some freedom, feeling like I had my arm back um, just for, you know, a couple hours for those days. So um, it was big. It was big. It made a big difference. Very
0: super cool. So for the listeners, I think we did a good job covering this whole experience. Is there anything that you'd like to make sure people knew? Oh, gosh.
1: Um, you can make it like know. VBAC
0: specific or, just you know. Yeah. I mean, for
1: the VBAC thing, I just think if you are going to do it, commit to it and just tell yourself that you can, but do have that moment for yourself where it's like, okay, I've done everything. I've tried my hardest. I put this team of people in place, whatever happens, it's fine. Like I, I don't, I would never want anyone to beat themselves up, but I, if you try like, oh gosh, it's so amazing. It's so amazing.
0: Mm. Yeah. I Love it. I'm so happy that this was your experience, and I'm very grateful of you coming on the show today to tell yeah. us all about it. Oh, yeah. It.
1: And I wanted, to, I wanted to tell you, I'm going to call you back if I have a third baby because I'm definitely doing the home birth. We're going to go from from C-section to hospital to be back, home birth, next giant leap. <laughs> I already told
0: my husband, and he's like, great. I can't
1: wait.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you know what? And it's it's not the place of birth that makes it s- scary and and no. makes it complicated or I risky. Absolutely,
1: yeah. could have done the second birth at home. It would have been just as safe and wonderful. So
0: complications happen in one place or the other it's more of like that transfer situation and what how the system works with right. with the structure so i i have no doubt that with your determination that you put into the second birth that if you you know you set up your systems and make it all in such a way that you've got all your contingencies set up that yeah you can have a beautiful birth. And then you're not having to worry about, like, when do we go to the hospital? And is it time? Is it not time? Are we staying home long totally. enough?
1: Yeah. <laughs> totally. And you could sleep in your own bed that night because hospital beds are the worst. So.
0: Well, you call <laughs> me and we'll do that story, too, whenever that I happens. Will. I will. I'll keep you posted. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Callie. Thank you so much. I've, it's been a pleasure. Mighty Ones, I love to hear from you. So share with me your thoughts. And if there's a certain topic you'd like to know more about, let me know. Go to birthful.com where you can learn more about me, the show, Patreon member benefits, send me messages, and more. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod. And the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zyberski. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Mighty One. Did you know that if you started listening to one Birthful episode per day at the start of your pregnancy, your baby would be about three months old before you got through all of them? That is so much birthful. So to ease us into the summer and to help you catch up on your listening, we're going back to releasing one episode per week instead of two. Now you know.